Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Patrick Wright. Hi all, uh, thanks for tuning in to give this a listen. Uh, as you probably know, we typically uh, do not do two pods in one week. But as we approach another lost season before November even gets here, I thought, uh, may as well. I, I, I didn't join Rajan on, on uh, Sunday night for his rant on the Commanders. Yeah, he's much more emotional than I am, so he was much more uh, fitting of a person to, to recap yet another terrible loss. Uh, I also had nothing really to say about the game. I think any fan who has loved this team uh, like I have for the last 30-plus years, 35 years in my case, uh, deep down you knew Sunday was kind of a foregone conclusion. Uh, and what's shitty is, um, and probably the main reason I decided to record this podcast, uh, is, be- is because despite being the favorites, despite playing a journeyman backup QB, despite being nearly fully healthy versus a team that was walking wounded, uh, not a single person uh, should have been surprised by what happened. Uh, and I think that's the problem. Uh, that's That sucks, right? Like, you know, I was... I was I was fuming after the game, but candidly wasn't fuming for that long because I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, you know, it is what it is. It's another loss to a bad team, a game we should have probably won, and yet we looked terrible for the entire game. Um, and so when I was listening to JP and Bebich this morning giving out the blame pies that they give out, uh, people were calling in saying Biennemi, Howell, offensive line, very, very common theme for the offense. And I think if you look at the game as a singular moment in time, they're right. The blame should have been on Howell and the offensive line and the enemy. Offense was terrible. You shouldn't lose a game and you only give up 14 points uh, in the modern uh, NFL, uh, especially when you are favored and, and uh, have your have your basically entire starting team. Uh, but I think it's wrong for anyone to look at that game as a singular moment in time within this uh, within this organization, within this franchise. Uh, this was a uh, reflection of the Ron Rivera era. It's a reflection of basically the team for my entire lifetime. Uh, and so the blame pie, I think, is wrong. If, if you want to look at it in a singular point in time, okay, good. I'll give you 25% of the blame for the offense. They sucked. We only scored seven points. Uh, we had a field goal blocked. Uh, we got stopped inside the 10 at the end of the game. Right, nothing, nothing really positive to say about it. But the other seventy-five percent, and really should be hundred percent of the blame, falls on one person and one person alone. Uh, that is, that is Ron. This is this is a Ron Rivera problem. Uh, I tweeted it out after the game from the Halo District uh, Twitter. But it is time to fire Ron. I'm like all on board on firing him. I don't. I have no idea who you even promote to become head coach. I'm guessing Bienemy maybe, uh, or maybe even JDR if you wanted to to give him the reins. But like. We are the same team uh, that we were four years ago. We are maybe even getting a little worse. I don't know. Uh, but think about it. Think about it this way: You knew deep down we were going to lose that game. Like we went into the Bears game, they were zero and four at the time. We were in two and two, coming off a game that we probably should have won against the Eagles. We got blown out at home on national television. We flip it. We'd come and we play a bad Falcons team, look pretty bad, but sneak a win. And then we play a one and five. Giants team, and uh, they beat us. And, like, Ron is the head coach. He's also the GM. This entire organization is run through him. Every single one of those players on that field uh, Sunday was a Ron Rivera player. Every single draft class was his. Uh, The players that have signed long-term, 
They signed long-term under Ron's watch. He's the one that elected to keep them. And the only player that probably played pretty well was probably Chase. He was also going one-on-one against the guy that was signed off the street, literally off his couch. He was going against the left tackle version of Taylor Heineke. Um, it's a cool story. End of the day, that's all he is. And that's what I keep going back to. It's like, what are we even doing here? These are the players you selected. These are the players you brought in. And we are getting just completely outplayed by the bottom of the NFL. Uh, and look, if you have watched or listened, excuse me, to any of the podcasts I've joined Rajan on in the last four years, and especially this year, I appreciate Ron for everything he has done. Five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like I will stand up and give the guy a standing ovation if he's ever brought up within, uh, you know, at halftime of Redskins game or, or whatever. He was the right coach at the right time. Think about everything this guy went through, right? So he become, he's been the head coach of three different teams, the Redskins, the team, and the commanders. He has basically been the human bullet shield, the human uh, bullet shield, what do you call him? Uh, 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 bulletproof vest for Dan, Dan Snyder for all this time. Every every single time Snyder was in the news, it was, and he was hiding in his, in his yacht like a coward somewhere in Europe. It was Ron who took all the bullets for him. Uh, Ron also coached an entire season while he was going through cancer treatment. Like, Look, when, when he was hired and everything going on off the field, the name changes, everything that goes into it, I'm not sure anyone was strong enough uh, to survive that other than Ron. He kept the team together. Uh, you know, that first year he won a division title. Uh, that is all great and dandy. Uh, but now we have a new owner. You know, we have we have Josh Harris here now. And, like, I don't know, I think, I think it's time to, to – I know Harris probably won't do this. It seems like he's going to be very patient, but you don't need to go far in the ownership group to Magic Johnson to know that he wants change already. Um, Ron's got to go. He he's never really won. Let's start there. Like he, I keep calling him Jeff Fisher 2.0. He has three winning seasons. This is his 13th season coaching in the NFL. Let's just assume we don't have a winning season. Uh, that's three winning seasons in 13. 13 years. He has a winning record because of an outlier 15-1 season with Cam Newton's MVP year. But this guy just hasn't won. The idea that he is riverboat Ron uh, is is not like a real thing. Uh, he's very conservative. He plays not to lose uh, instead of attacking attacking teams and going for the win. And I think the big, like, when I think about the Ron Rivera era and specifically the on-field product, there are a couple things that stand out to me. One, we all got really excited when we beat the Steelers his first year. The Steelers were undefeated at that time, even though they were terrible. Uh, and we found a way to win that game, and we snuck into the playoffs. But even the way we snuck into the playoffs felt terrible, right? Like, I didn't think this at the time, but it's definitely, you know, looking back, this is definitely true. The Eagles, we played the Eagles on Sunday night, winning in. We played terrible, but we found a way to win because the Eagles tanked knowing that they needed a better draft pick and knowing that they had something. They were interested in, in Jalen Hurts. Uh, they are ready to move on from wins. They were just building draft capital, building uh, – they had a bunch of cap space, and they have since that point in time turned into a total juggernaut. The following offseason, they drafted Devontae Smith. They got A.G. Brown. Uh, they drafted they drafted Lyman. Um, and Howie Roseman has just gone in, gone in. He's continually attacked it, and now they are just a wagon of a team. Will they win the Super Bowl? I have no idea. But they're going to be in contention, uh, something we haven't been basically my entire life. Um, and since then, we have gone 7-10. and 10. 
eight, eight and one, and now we're three and four. Um, and you just look at the way I mentioned in the beginning, like Ron is both GM, he's he's the coach, he's he oversees this entire thing. And before the season, a lot of people, myself included, I'm throwing myself way under the bus here, kept saying, look, the team is, you know, intriguing. Like we all thought that the roster was built uh, in an interesting way. We have playmakers. Um, but every time that got brought up, everyone said the same exact thing. It's like, okay, we have all these fun weapons, but the O-line, is it going to be good enough? Question mark, right? And I think if you look at the O-line play and the quarterback play, those two alone are married together, and the reason Ron has not done well here. First season, uh, he had to deal with the whole Haskins scenario, and then we also had Kyle Allen, and then eventually Heineke started. I think Alex Smith even played that year. So we had four quarterbacks start a game that year, if you count the Heineke playoff start. Um, but then once he had a chance to really come in and, and figure it out, he had that year to, to, to see what he had, uh, we went to Fitzpatrick. He played maybe three downs. Uh, Heineke came back in, had to play the remainder of the year. Then he went out and got Wentz. I mean, Wentz was terrible. Uh, so, again, Heineke started again. Now we finally have Howell, who I'm on record saying I really like. Uh, but how do you go into a winner go-home year with a unproven quarterback, a first-time – I'm calling him a first-time offense coordinator. I know he's offense coordinator in KC, but, like, first-time sole – solo offensive coordinator in the enemy and just completely neglect the one area everyone said, Hey, you need to go fix. He inherited Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf, Morgan Moses, and a handful of others, right? Three very good players. Plus Rue was there. Uh, and, uh, Laval maybe playing left guard regardless. He basically told Trent, you need to prove yourself and then traded him. Trent Williams is a generational left uh, tackle. That was generational. Even before Rivera got here, we had a chance to mend those fences he said, I need you to prove it. Prove what, Ron? Uh, uh, so we traded him. Sheriff was like, I'm not going to sign here. No chance. And he cut Moses. Uh, and so we go into this year, and he's like, look, I fixed the offensive line. Look, look what we've done. We, we signed Wiley. Okay, ass. Um, Gates is not very good. Sure, I love his attitude. He's got a great offensive lineman attitude, but he sucks. Uh, you know, Sadiq Charles, a guy that I've – hyped up and been very excited about now for four years. Hasn't been very good. Leno is, is decent. I don't, I don't hate Leno, but like, he's okay. Um, and just like against the giants, Sam had 2.2 seconds to throw the ball. That's not enough time. Um, and it frustrates me that you have this team and you're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to finally roll with this quarterback. We think we could kind of be good, but he hasn't proved himself oh, by the way, we don't have anybody that can block for him, it's a recipe for failure. And one of the things I've talked a lot about is this idea that Ron doesn't attack success. He plays not to lose. Um, and I say don't doesn't attack success because it's one thing that uh, Sean McVay always talks about, and I love it. I think it's perfect for the NFL, which is you attack success. If you double down, you go, 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 go. Um and there are so many recent examples of Ron just sitting there waiting for something to happen rather than going for it uh, that I can't even name all of them, but I will name just a few. Um, let's start with the draft. Our draft class is useless. Um, I'm only going to focus on this specific draft, but like Forbes has already been benched. Look, I, I really like Forbes. I think he'll be good long-term, but he's already been benched. I think he played like four snaps last week. Uh, Quan Martin is averaging about five snaps a game. Uh, Stromberg finally played only because of injury. 
KJ Henry's inactive all the time. I can't even name the rest of the draft class because they all don't play. None of them are any good. Uh, and when maybe Quan Martin turns out to be good, you know, let's say let's say he does. The truth of the matter still remains that Ron drafted him only because he was worried Curl was going to get hurt. He was drafting based on a need and not drafting by best player available. And I'm going to double down on this because Mathis was also a similar pick the year before. And I'm not even sure we've seen Mathis in a regular season game yet, a year and a half later. But <clears throat> there was a lot of smoke going into day two of the draft this year that we want that Washington wanted to trade up, wanted to trade up to get an offensive lineman. And they were specifically targeting the TCU guard, um, Steve Avila, who eventually the Rams took uh, early in the second round. But end of the day, Ron got spooked by how much they were asking for it. And look, I have no idea what the Rams were asking for. But everyone knew we wanted to go up, which is a problem in itself, by the way, because then the Rams could say, hey, we know you want this pick, so it's going to cost you a premium. But after the draft, what really bums me out is Martin Mayhew came out and said we should have been more aggressive in trading up. Like, they targeted a player they wanted in a position of need uh, and would have been best player available in that scenario, so you get best of both worlds, and instead of going for it, we just sat back and we're like, you know, we're going to take the safety, even though we have two starting safeties. We just, we need some depth. I mean, give me a break, dude. Um, that's just the draft alone. You get into week one against the Cardinals, right? We, we won the game, but we settled. We almost let them back in the game. We didn't go for the win. You think about the Eagles' two-point conversion, playing for overtime. Again, they didn't play to win. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You play to win the game. Not go to overtime with a team that is far superior than you and play a whole nother quarter when you have uh, a short week of rest with the Bears coming. Uh, we settled against the Giants. I didn't hate the field goal, but at the end of the day, it got blocked. We settled. Uh, and I think the, the part that frustrates me, I, I, I guess I could say the part that frustrates me most before everything because <laughs> the whole Ron Rivera era frustrates me right now. Uh, but on paper... The best signing of our offseason was Jamison Crowder. And we didn't sign him to the preseason and only because we needed a punt returner. Um, so, what makes me the most sad is for the 25th time in the last 30 years, 31 years, I think, we're going to go into November with a losing record. Um, and that sucks. Um, we only get 17 games of the 17 of these games a year. And that's only 5% of our year. So when you think about it, like as someone who consumes, like the NFL is a content juggernaut, right? They, they churn out content year round, create all these events to keep their audience engaged. But the reality is, is as a fan of a team, you only get 17 games a year. It's a very small portion uh, of the calendar year. And so we live and breathe for this. And when you only, get one year out of every 10 where something matters. It sucks. Like, I'm tired of coming into December thinking, okay, I wonder what draft position we're going to have. Or I wonder, you know, is this guy going to be any good? And that that's a bigger problem. That's more than just Ron. But Ron has done nothing to make me think, okay, long-term, this is the guy. And he, truthfully, since day one he took over the team, he really hasn't done anything to say, I am the guy to coach this team. He's complacent. He sits there on the sideline with his arms crossed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's lost the team. Uh, but I think it all comes back to Ron's ability, or I guess 
lack thereof of going for the win. Like the idea that he's riverboat Ron only exists because he coached before analytics and before kind of a new age era of thinking came to the NFL. He's one of the most conservative coaches in the league every single year. Uh, and it hurts us. It hurts us every, every single game. Um, I don't know when Ron's going to be fired. You know, my guess is he makes it to the bye week. Uh, you know, the ironic part about all this is I bet we turn around and, and beat the Eagles and everyone thinks the Super Bowl is back on. Uh, that would be a very Ron win to get the team back to, guess what, 500, where we always are, stuck in mediocrity, just like the Wizards. We are the Wizards of the NFL. Um, taking a deep breath, though, uh, if you want to look forward a bit, this season still hinges on how I still really like him. Uh, I, I, last week against the Giants, you know, was not his fault. Uh, there, there are things he did that were, that were bad. Um, but ultimately he basically was running for his life the entire game. And my hope is, my hope is that game taught him a lot about blitz pickups and, you know, he'll be able to understand pack, uh, protection a lot better moving forward. Uh, but you know, the, the hope is how still gets every single, uh, snap. He gets all 17 games if he can stay upright for that, that amount of time. Uh, but if you look ahead, like Ron's going to get fired, Mayhew's going to be gone, um, um, and you know I think for the first time really in thirty plus years, because now that Harris is in place and not Snyder, we will be a bit of a destination. Um, I think the and hat tip to you, Smallies, for this one, but like I do think the Bears will probably end up being the number one destination just because they'll probably end up with the first overall pick and another top five pick which allows them to uh, go get Caleb Williams and, you know, they could, they could package Caleb Williams with Marvin Harrison Jr., which would be, you know, kind of incredible. Uh, but other than that, you know, looking at our team, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a new owner who's probably going to be willing to spend and wants to win. Uh, we're going to have, my guess is he's going to go pluck kind of a young GM who's looking to ascend a bit, probably hopefully from somewhere like Kansas City or perhaps the Eagles. Someone who's not been a GM but is really, really eager to become one and has earned the opportunity in one of these kind of more new age thinking uh, organizations. And that GM can then go pick a, a coach. And that coach is going to come into a place where he probably has a lot of say on the quarterback situation. Like we'll have Sam at that point, but nothing else. And plus, you know, if if the team is smart, we'll have a little draft capital to play with. We need to move up to go get a quarterback, you know, thinking about like Drake May or someone. Um, two, we will have like a whole new team. Basically like 50% of our team is up for new contracts. So next year you're going to have a boatload of cap room to go spend and really revamp this team. Uh, and then not to mention, like I think Harris is going to want to bring his guys in and, and give them a real chance. And what I mean by that is I don't think he'd be fired in two years with two years left on his contract. Like, I think there's going to be some stability there. So I think we'll, we, we will ultimately be a uh, pretty high-end destination, which is exciting. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to watch some dumpy football uh, until we get there. Um, you know, I, I thank you, Ron, for, for shepherding us through these last few years of Snyder. Again, I'll always appreciate it, but uh, it's time to go win. It's time to put a product on the field that we're proud of that we go into games thinking, okay, we can, we're going to win this game. Not, I hope we don't lose. Um, you know, and frankly, it's, it's, it's time just to play fucking football and stop worrying about all this other shit. Um, and, st- and I don't even have anything else to say. That's what I got. Um, 
Thank you all for listening. It's, it's obviously a short solo pod. Don't have don't have Rajan yelling at me about God knows what. Uh, but you know, I think in the, the day Ron's got to go. I would fire him today. I'm obviously not in charge, but uh, uh, we just got to survive this year. End of the day, Dan is dead. He's gone. We have a new owner. There's still hope on the horizon. Nothing has changed that. Uh, we just we just had a little more hope that we'd be better this year. And again. There's some. It's the it's the last stink of Dan. This is Dan's last ride. Uh, it's almost over. Let's just keep going. Keep plugging away as as a fan base. Also, no more games on CBS. CBS sucks ass. It's the worst. Put us on Fox. Let us lose on good production. Uh, and uh, you know, I'll see you guys in April when we draft Drake May. Uh, and and the Super Bowl is back on. So uh, thank you all for. Uh, for listening, and uh, hopefully next week I'll be back with Rajan after we somehow beat the Eagles for God knows whatever reason. Uh, and uh, I look forward to chatting you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.